Well, everybody, thanks for joining today. This is episode number 119 of Tech Sales Insights. Really excited to have a uh, tag team here with uh, Roy Carmel, uh, CEO of Spotlight.ai, and Nadav Ifradi, uh, who's co-founder of Spotlight AI. And the title topic today is how to sell more in a tough economy. And uh, yes, you guessed it. Um, Spotlight is the sponsor of this. And uh, Spotlight's also a value selling partner of a uh, sponsor of a sales community. So uh, certainly a great company that we've been uh, involved with and a lot of great things that you will learn about here. Uh, by way of background, I, I've known them for, we're trying to figure out probably, probably just only a year. So it's definitely a newer relationship, but um, awesome business that they built in the value selling space. Uh, and I'm always impressed with their uh, responsiveness and uh, pretty much guaranteed a seven by 24 follow-up. So uh, from a, a group to kind of tag team and the sales effort with, uh, they've both been fantastic. And um, for those that are members of sales community, thank you so much. Uh, Tucker, maybe you can put the link up. Uh, for those that are not, you can go to salescommunity.com slash spring free, I think it is, and uh, get a free membership there. And uh, takes, I think, like 15 seconds if uh, you use your LinkedIn. Uh, so also, uh, by way of background, they uh, both live in Newton, Massachusetts, which is outside of the Boston area. I'm uh, joining you still uh, based, based down in uh, Naples, Florida. Uh, I should, should have looked. The temperature was probably, you know, low 80s and pe people are complaining it's too hot and too sunny. But at least there's a, a couple of clouds in the sky today. And um, besides uh, work and family, they've got some uh, interesting uh, interests. Uh, Roy was a past judo champion, now very much into archery. And Nadav, I would say, is a psycho triathlonist. When we first were uh, kind of w working out our arrangements, he was off doing all this kind of crazy stuff and uh, really insane in the woods. And, yeah, most people are kind of traditional triathlonists, triathlonists if that's a word, but he goes off in these crazy areas. And then, uh, uh, of course, with their Israeli background, with any great uh, technology folks from Israel, uh, they're part of the Israeli uh, military service. And uh, Roy was in uh, special ops and uh, Nadav was a uh, uh, pilot. So uh, before when we were prepping, Roy was joking that Nadav used to clean guns, but I, 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 would, I wouldn't want to say that. But anyway, um, so let's uh, start in here. So maybe you guys can uh, talk about your uh, first job that you had. Uh, so, Roy, let's start with you. Yeah, so uh, actually, my first first job was a judo coach. Uh, so, uh, and uh, that's that's what I love doing and uh, coaching all the way kids to uh, to adults. Uh, but my first industry job was at a company called NDS, that's now Cisco, uh, acquired by Cisco, and we did conditional access on smart cards, where smart cards were like the peak of technology back then. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so I I was uh, basically creating a product for our customers to validate the the offering that NDS sold them. Wow, awesome! And then maybe quickly just go through your career from there. Yeah, so um, yeah, my main milestones were first of all we have a joint uh, HP background. I was at HP Software uh, for about six years, ran uh, the automation business of Mercury back then that was acquired into HP Software. Did some uh, uh, business development between HP and SAP back then uh, around packaged apps, and uh, and then after that, um, I uh, I was trying to acquire a company called Perfecto Mobile uh, as part of acquisitions we did into the portfolio. Uh, the previous acquisitions went fine. This one, uh, we couldn't meet the price, and I really wanted these guys. Uh, we didn't get an approval to spend, and so I ended up joining them. 
uh, and taking the company from um, uh, together, obviously, with the founders from about seven million to seventy-five, and we sold it uh, to Perforce. It was a great run, and uh, that's what brought me to the Boston area. And then from there, spent some time at Cyber Reason, um, uh, also as uh, chief strategy, uh, CMO, uh, and uh, chief product. Built a framework, uh, messaging framework for the enterprise sales team. Uh, worked with Andy Byron, uh, who was a great guy that built the company uh, before I was there. And he's the one who actually sort of named me and, uh, and, and brought me over. Um, and then uh, and also worked with a, an amazing guy called uh, Keith Butler uh, over at Perfecto. So two amazing CROs who know value selling inside out. And that's what led me to basically start Spotlight. Wow. Awesome. And then Adab, what was your first job? So for almost a decade, I was a search and rescue helicopter pilot, as you said, but then my first real job was a developer, and from that I grew to like tech development programmer. Uh, and then I've grown to lead R&D teams and groups and so on, and soon after that I started my own company that was doing automation for water operations for big manufacturing companies, so effectively my company would make their water purification operation Far more, far more autonomous, efficient, reliable, and so on. Uh, and I relocated to the States in 2013 in order to commercialize. And in a few years, we started to sell to all the Fortune 500, five, Fortune 500 companies that make food and, food and beverage, pharma, uh, cars, data centers, power, and so on. Uh, and then we sold this company to DuPont. And this journey was all about how do we help our buyers understand that their status quo may have been working for the last 30 years, but haven't served them all that well. So it was all one big masterclass in value sales. Uh, first, how do we make them realize that they need to question and change their status quo? And then how do we actually empower our sales organization to do it repeatedly and effectively at scale? Wow. Very, very cool. What was harder, being a helipilot or doing the tech jobs? Uh, yeah, being being the CEO and founder of, uh, of my previous company was certainly the biggest challenge of all, but I'm lucky to have had a very good outcome. So we'll never complain about it. Awesome. So before we talk about Spotlight, Roy, maybe let's kind of dig into kind of really what it, what is value selling um, you know, at, at a high level, I always like to say, okay, if you bump into CFO in the elevator, what are you going to talk about? It's not a bunch of techno speeds and feeds. It's how you generate revenue. How are you going to help them save money, get a competitive advantage? But it's you know, got to be something like that. So how, how do you kind of, we start off kind of defining value selling? What, what do you think? Yeah. yeah. So obviously there's, there's going to be many angles to, to this question, but the way we look at value selling is um, we, we want to make sure that the the, the, the selling motion is focused around the pain of the customer, uh, taking time to do the discovery, discovering the pain, sizing the business impact of the pain for the customer, and then matching the right differentiated value to that pain that can bring the customer from a current state to desired state and building the business case and the, and the case around it. Um, and then once we do that, creating an asset that can arm our champion to go sell the value when we're not there, um, and the last is when we do forecast uh, on our pipeline, make sure that we look through the forecast into how well we understand the pain, how well we arm our champion, because those are the things that will kill or make the, uh, the sale, basically. And so, you know, as opposed to uh, just relying on relationship or just relying on, uh, on an external event, we want to make sure that we focus on the pain, understand it well, and build a case around it. Gotcha. Nadav? 
Yep, thanks. So I actually have two answers for your questions. What value sales? So the first answer is value sales is the opposite from, from pitching and speaking about features and capabilities. Value sales is all about the discovery, the leadership in a journey. You want to ask the buyer, Mr. Buyer, how do you do this and that? And when it doesn't work the way you wanted, what are the implications and what's the impact? And did it ever happen to you that this and that and so on? So it's a lot about understanding the buyer's workflow and having the buyer realize that their workflow actually suck in a, in a few ways. And when you try to tell them that it doesn't work, they're going to push back. So you need to kind of lead them in a journey that will end up with them acknowledging it and uncovering it for themselves. So that's the first thing about value sales. But being a little more explicit, uh, I think that value sales has a couple of components. First, it's not at all about like numbers and quantification. It's about falling in love. It's about emotionally being able to show to a champion that there is something that doesn't work all that well in their status quo. And the champion need to fall in love with your solution and say, wow, this is exactly the thing I want. Sometimes because they feel that this is going to bring their personal win in the organization or will just save them so much time or will make them so much more successful. Sometimes it's about their own tactical KPIs, but in most cases, it's not about KPIs at all. It's about their pains and them seeing their solution as the cure for their pain. So the first thing is not at all about numbers. The second component, once you already have this champion, then you need to arm the champion. So the champion is going to work with you in the organization to justify and rationalize the spend. So it's not, okay. So the leadership in the other side will say, okay, this is not just critical for that dude. This is actually really impactful for us as an organization. So we need to allocate the budget. So to me, again, you cannot speak about value sales in terms of ROI calculator or presentation, or you cannot think about it in the context of just doing a discovery journey. It's actually all combined because you need to cover both the emotional aspect of why the champion is going to fall in love. And then the more... Uh, quantified aspect of why would the organization put the budget to work. Gotcha. And I, I guess you say falling in love, Roy, I, I would think of it as it's not a emotional kind of love of the heart. You know, analogy might be more, it's kind of the love of the wallet, right? So it's kind of, you know, okay, what's going to put basically more dollars in your wallet, so to speak. So it's falling in love kind of from a financial metric perspective, not where you see a lot of technology people, you know, oh, I love this thing, but why, why do you love it? Well, it's cool, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, how's it going to help the company? So, yeah, yeah. exactly. So Nadav, I think, said, said the magic word there, which is a personal win, which, which I think is, is extremely critical, right? So um, at the end of the day, we talk about pain. Pain could be a financial pain to the company, but we also have, especially in downturn economies like now, if we don't find a personal pain for a champion, that's always true, but even more so now that we can actually solve for that specific person so they can do their job better, so they can make sure they don't lose their job, and then tie that pain to the financial impact of the company, that's where the magic happens, right? And that's where we move from selling just around gap or pain to selling value to the company, but that has a, a, a sort of a personal falling in love aspect. And you both really highlighted, it sounded like a lot of the, the pieces of a medic or med pick, but in talking about defining value selling, you both really harped a lot on the qualification. So the, the qualification is of utmost importance because if you don't qualify well, you got kind of garbage in, garbage out, right, Nadav? Completely. So we believe that 
just as you said, value sales is not a standalone thing. And we see organizations that do value sales in a, in a worksheet, uh, in a Google Doc. And it's, it's sometimes, you know, in, in presentations and in the heads of people, but it's kind of an island. And although qualification systems like Medic, for example, have the I for identify pain and M for the metrics, it kind of completely disjoint from the work on value that companies do. And we think that it should find back its place as part of a continuum of a value sales. And just as you said, finding value is important, but you also need to qualify and actually help your champion ask all the questions about the decision process and the decision criteria and all the other things in order to make sure that the deal is not going to stall. And we see all of those components as, again, part of a, continue, uh, a whole continuum that you need to help sales organization manage in order to win the deals and not just, you know, work, 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 and then be surprised in the end of the quarter that they stay. Yeah. So, Roy, the Nadal brought up some of the challenges, but, you know, any other challenges in the kind of concept of value selling? Yeah. So I think we can talk about some of the customers that we're working with. You know, we have a, um, a cybersecurity company. Um, it's a, let's say, medium-sized company, uh, around 100 and so sellers um, in, in a very sensitive uh, cybersecurity area. And uh, they're a medic shop. Um, they, they're working medic. But the problem is, is that they look at medic as a separate island from their sales process, which is a separate island from how they drive value and discovery. And so in some, I mean, you probably have seen this, right? There are, there's tons of ROI calculators out there. There are sort of separate tools that are not fully integrated into the process, into the forecast. Medic is usually not mapped to when it needs to happen. It just needs to happen. We need to know if it happened. And so the fact that people are still managing those as, as, as silos is actually what's killing some of these efforts. And once you put them together, it becomes part of the weekly uh, part of the weekly forecast call, and that's what we're doing with this company is is integrating those pieces into their forecast, uh, and and then in the forecast they look at the stage of the deal, they look at what's been done up to that stage with MedPick versus what should have been done up to that stage, and then how well did they do the discovery? Do they understand the customer pains? And it all comes together. Gotcha. I mean, it, it seems kind of like idiotic, right? How or why would you ever have it have it disjointed, right? Exactly. I, I think, Nadav, we, we've seen this also with uh, with some customers that have value engineering teams, right, that put this off to the side. Completely. And I think that leaders, like so much is expected from the sellers and from sales leader. They need to actually close the deal and train and coach. And there is so much enablement going into sales organization. And I think that in the bottom line, it's kind of maybe a bit overwhelming for most reps. And in most situations, there are so many use cases and personas and and products and again so many layers in that equation that it's in many cases much easier for reps to just go and, and start pitching instead of doing the proper discovery and then the proper arming of the champion and we expect the sales leader to actually coach and help the reps but the, the sales like the frontline manager themselves are overwhelmed because they're accountable for closing all the critical deals and then every once in a while they can go in and coach a rep but it's all kind of disjoint efforts and all of them are critical, but reps are never getting enough coaching and enough help when they need it from the value team, from their leaders and so on, unless these are the few top deals that must close. And some of the idea that we had going into Spotlight is try to enable and coach and guide with AI 
exactly at the time that they need it in order to make it really easy for the reps to actually focus on the few critical things in every situation instead of getting overwhelmed by the the scale of enablement and training and so on that that many of it just go around them and not where they need it and when they need it oh great um, yeah, definitely huge, huge importance for sure. So Roy, what about you have, uh, you see companies usually in kind of what you define as three different stages, right? On that kind of value selling competency chain. Yeah. Yeah. So the more we started uh, digging in with customers to where they're at today, where they need to get to, we started seeing three types of maturity uh, or maturity stage or the three types of companies. Uh, the first one's usually early companies, right? They still don't have a repeatable play. They still don't have a, uh, uh, any qualification. So their number one thing to try and start doing is is either adopt MedPick or some kind of a qualification framework. Uh, and uh, and those are early, uh, usually small teams. As they as they move up into dozens of sellers, you know, 20, 30, 40 sellers, uh, they realize that in order to drive a scalable operation that has a high ASP and selling into an enterprise. They have to go from just qualifying a deal on, a, on the superficial level to really digging into the pain and selling on value. Uh, and they want to move from selling features, as Nadav said at the beginning, to selling value. right? And that's a transformation for them. Uh, we, we're working with some amazing people. Um, uh, you know, Lakeside is an amazing company that have done this transition uh, uh, with us. And, um, and, and they, they've gone from selling, you know, uh, tactical feature feature deals to to understanding the transition that their customers need to go through and selling value. So that's the second stage. The third stage are companies that are already operationalizing value sales. They know they have a value sale playbook. They yeah. do discovery well. They build business cases and BVAs for customers. But they've gone to a point where they've created a specialist team or a value engineering team, right? And uh, and the good thing is that the knowledge is there in the company. The downside is once they centralize this, this knowledge into a value engineering team, that knowledge doesn't scale, right? And, the, and then the reps actually rely on, on the value engineering team too much. And so their problem is not going from features to value. It's how do you scale values and value selling beyond the value engineering team into every single rep. So those are the three stages we see. Again, it's a high level. Obviously, there's more details behind it. Uh, but I think it's important to realize where you are on the journey and what's the next step and how you get there.